1: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Uh, Scott and Greg White with you right here on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing?
0: Good. For a second there, I thought we were on the Truman Show, but...
1: <laughs> well, you know, you never know. I was listening to uh, one of my favorite all-time shows, Coast to Coast, uh, with um, Bell, Art Bell, right? And folks are tuning into that show globally. You never know what... What time of day? What mood they're in? But uh, and, and we've got a little some a little something similar uh, element uh, dynamic baked into our live stream, so folks are tuned in globally for this conversation that you and I are going to have with James Malley, Greg White. Are you ready for it? I am ready. Let's do this thing. Well, <laughs> you are ready. You're ready ready to go. Well, hey, we've enjoyed our uh, pre-show conversation with yeah. James Malley. James is with Packer doing some really cool things, especially when it comes to, to the technology side of supply chain. So stay tuned for that in about 15 minutes. But uh, beyond James' appearance with us, Greg, it's all about the supply chain buzz. So w- what can folks expect every Monday at 12 noon?
0: Well, this is the voice of supply chain, so we're going to voice... Uh, the biggest news in supply chain, right? Of course. So, share some of what we've seen over the course of the last week and uh, some of the really interesting and topical stories that talk about this craft, which finally, Scott, you may not have heard, people actually care about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they do. And they're being recognized for it, which we love here. That's been one of the best. Uh, silver linings of this pandemic era is is folks from the drivers to the retail clerks, which I love how you love on those folks, Greg, to the pickers and packers, you name it, uh, folks getting recognized for making global commerce happen. Mm-hmm. So um, speaking of recognizing some folks, we've got a couple of uh, uh, announcements we're going to make. We want to invite you to join us at some upcoming events. But I got to want to call out uh, Peter Bole all night and all day, Peter. Hope this finds you well. Um, I, I admired your uh, beautiful message you sent us earlier today as, as you were rubbing elbows with friends and grieving a bit um, for, with a, a recent loss. So our team's with you in in kindred spirits and wish you all the best and look forward, Greg, we look forward to uh, Peter's commentary throughout the buzz here today, right?
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt.
1: All right. And uh, let us know. I see a few other folks tuned in. Let us know where, you're, where you are. Uh, we were talking earlier. We do have a global community, which uh, is, is, um, makes this journey even more entertaining, right? That different perspective, different experiences, different roles.
0: Different levels of awakeness, because, it, I mean, some of the people who are watching this, it's the middle of the night.
1: <laughs> That's, That's the, right. That is so right.
0: Got to respect that.
1: Yes, you do. Lots of passion. So let us know where you're all tuned in from. In the meantime, before we bring on James here in a few minutes here, I want to add uh, a couple of items here. So, Greg, are you ready this week for Flow 2021? Talking about bringing folks together. Yeah. Uh, this, this is going to be a home run event, right?
0: Yeah, it is. And I love it when we get to, to leverage all of the knowledge that folks pull together. We did this a couple of weeks ago with Laura Sassieri. We get to see so many different angles on what is happening in the supply chain, and how different companies are approaching it. So, uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch. So, you know what I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> it <Listen up. laughs> Well, join us. So, beyond the breakout sessions, which are going to be second to none, uh, Greg and I will be opening the days and closing the days, and um, it, it, you know, tuning into some of these conversations, which. If you love especially technology automation in the e-commerce and the uh, fulfillment space, this is for you. And it's free. So join us. With, we got a link in the comments, and we'd love to have you with us. Greg, the hits keep on coming. We've got Verison yeah. back with us October 5th, right?
0: Yeah, we had Aaron on, um, what was it, Scott, a couple of weeks ago, right? And yeah. super talented individual. Um, and, of course, Verison sponsors this this report and and we got a preview yep. of it so that's pretty cool we can't say anything yet but uh but aaron is a fantastic knowledgeable um procurement and materials handling expert uh, from georgia pacific and elsewhere and now he's working with folks at verison and helping them deploy their solutions but also helping to pull this analytic together for what's going on in the industry, which is pretty fascinating, somewhat, uh, we talked about this the other day, somewhat uh, disturbing that so many manufacturers are a little bit behind the curve, some way behind the curve, but uh, really enlightening to see where the opportunity is and how much opportunity there is in in materials handling and elsewhere throughout the supply chain.
1: Agreed, and it'll be about a week or so after the Clemson NC State game. He's a he's a Wolfpacker. I'm um, a, a Clemson fact. fan, so we'll see who's got bragging right. He yeah, has time to cool down a little. Bit. <laughs> important stuff, but yeah. to, to echo what Greg said, Aaron is a wonderful um, practitioner. This guy's finger on the pulse. You'll learn a lot from uh, what he shares on the fifth. So y'all join us. Yeah. Uh, the link is in the comments. And now I'm going to get to something a little bit different. Wow! So folks, we love getting snapshots of, of, of your travels, especially now that some of us are, are, you know, getting back out there again, which is great. Um, this shot, Greg, this is, uh, I believe this is Corsica, uh, over in, is that Italy or Greece? Um, I should know this. Anyway, this is Dan Reeve from Esker. Sorry.
0: sorry. I was staring at the picture.
1: <laughs> it So clearly he's hiking, uh, and he sent yeah. me about six or seven shots like this, and it's like, I had, I had to, a drone. One or two. <laughs> a drone. I had to stop what I'm doing and just take it in, and I am green with envy. But yeah, this wow. was a great shot from from Dan, one of our our favorite guests here. And speaking of, this is Corey Comer, and if that's not the coolest shot, and including the kids and the backdrop and the yeah. hat, uh, I'm not sure what is, Greg.
0: Well, it looks like Indiana Jones got married and had <laughs> children, right? And then went to Yosemite. That's my guess. Is
1: that's Yosemite. Look at the bright energy in the eyes of those yeah. kids. They are loving, loving it. Uh, and y'all yeah. might remember, we shared uh, Corey Goes Camping quite a bit. And we shared they do uh, the chuck wagon thing every so often, Greg. So not only are they uh, loving the family time and a beautiful backdrop, but clearly they're eating good, too. So we'll have to get uh, some some of Corey's updates uh, on these travels once again, right?
0: That is social distancing to the extreme. I don't see anyone for miles.
1: <laughs> I love it. Okay, so um, we've got three uh, great stories teed up here today. We'll be bringing in James Malley with Packard here uh, in a few minutes. But let's say hello to a few folks. And I want to start, Greg, and, and some folks are um, uh, in, uh, entertaining us with and where they are from, starting with Michael Hill is tuned in back with us via LinkedIn from Dublin. Greg, have you ever been to Dublin? I have. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, what I'm was your- a huge, huge Ireland fan. Did you golf while you were there? You know what? You know what? A lot of times, and I, I should probably explain this to Americans because a lot of times when you're over there, Americans ask, "Why do they put the castle so close to the airport?" <laughs>
1: Castles were first. Castles were first. <laughs> I love that. Well, Michael, great to have you back with us here today. Would love to get a snapshot of what Dublin looks like this time of year. Um, also back, speaking of back, back. So Nerfad is back. Um, now I'm not going to put all of his, his story out there, but let's just say he had a little disagreement with the powers that be over at, uh, at one of the social networks, and he, he had to kind of earn his way back on. So he's really? back, and look at look what he said. Of course, he's got a wonderful sense of humor. You can see that in the, in the snapshot.
0: Did not appreciate his sense of humor, yes. Right.
1: <laughs> and also, he's got humor in spades, and he's got some mad cooking skills, which has been on display. Well, supply and chain Charlie,
0: a new look. Yes, so he's in disguise.
1: <laughs> he says, "If you're looking to connect with me, so I can grow my network once again, as I am at." Three connections only. <laughs> that would be great. So hey, y'all connect. I
0: have to know what happened. Nerf, yeah. you have to tell us.
1: Well, yes, yeah, so or Nerfod. I'm going to leave that up to you. If you'd like to drop that in the comments uh, or or shoot us a note, we got to fill Greg in. But regardless, he's in the
0: witness protection program. <laughs> right.
1: It is so good to have you back. Uh, the buzz is not the buzz without great folks like Nerfod. So welcome back. Uh, let's see here. who is Nerf.
0: Nerfod is dead. Just
1: ner- just nerve. Don't give him up.
0: They'll
1: find him. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see here. Boardy report. Manikandan, uh, Manikandan uh, via LinkedIn. Welcome. Uh, let us know where you're tuned in from. Great to have you here today. Let's see here. Um, I think this is Neil Patel, I believe. So Neil, if this is you tuned in here via LinkedIn from ATL, great to have you here. Kareem, LinkedIn. By way of Tehran, Iran. How about that? Wow. wow, Krim, great. That
0: is dedication.
1: Yes. So great to have you here, and um, looking forward to uh, hearing your POV as we chat through some some news of the day here. And actually, I've been I've been corrected. This is Jacqueline. Uh, Jacqueline. So great to have you here with us, Jacqueline. Jack. Um, let's see here, Felicia. Prisbola is back with us. Now, Greg. Well done. Without assistance. <laughs> Only Jack Jacqueline you, you for some reason. To me. <laughs> Jacqueline, for some reason, was giving me a hard time here today, but Prisbola just kind of rolls off the tongue. It's strange sometimes. <laughs> but, <laughs> Felicia, let, let us know. I, I have forgotten where you call home. So great to have you here. Looking forward to your comments here as well. Um, and Nerf is keeping his story private. So y'all reach out and he'll share with you what's going on there. And and it's not not a massive deal, but I respect their privacy. Uh Mohib is back. Now, Greg, on today's episode of this week in business history, which taught again what just factors in. I'm not sure if, if there's some kind of vibe.
0: I saw that. You mentioned all of Olive Ann Beach.
1: Yes. Which um uh and so there's there's some kind of vibe working between me and you and Mohib, but Olive and Beach Beach was one of the unsung heroes uh, that we we chatted about because my mind, uh, unfortunately, I've I never even heard of Olive Ann until I dove into the story because Walter Beach and and you know, his surname on the company is is who got right. all the attention. But Olive Ann was a industry dynamo and trailblazer and really made Beach and and now Craft as it's held by Raytheon, what it is today, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, as a matter of fact, she was really prominent in the Wichita area, so we'll
1: have to get some stories from you, my man.
0: Yeah. Her mother her she and my grandmother were the member of this old speakeasy called the Cam, Candle Club, which I think still exists there. Okay. And um it was interesting. It survived I, I don't know I don't think they were even old enough to be there when it was during Prohibition, but it survived Prohibition and then it became quite the private club in in Wichita, Kansas.
1: Okay. Highfalutin stuff. Well, I, well, I should have interviewed you. It's pretty
0: unassuming, frankly, but it was hard to find. So even hard to find in a brand in a grown city. So anyway.
1: Oh, we're going to sit down and we'll do an episode of This Week in Business History. If I can get on your schedule, I'll, I'll go through your agent and well, we'll get some time in March. Maybe we
0: can even get into the, the Candle Club.
1: <laughs> that would be cool. That would be so cool. Hey, Greg, um, let me correct myself a minute ago so jackie uh, jacqueline harris is a dear friend uh she's part of the twin engines team here in the atlanta area and it's great to see you here today jacqueline looking forward to hearing your perspective and we're well overdue for a catch-up session so peter thanks so much for helping us out there you, you're the man old pb got my back
0: and she has her own poster that's pretty cool
1: yes <laughs> that's right uh Noral dean tuned in uh, via linkedin or let us know where you where you are uh, catching this from we'd love to to make that connection zarina uh zarina from malaysia tuned in via linkedin great to have you here today looking forward to your contributions and yeah. hello to everyone I know we can't can't hit everybody uh one more t squared holding down the fort holding down the castle as it were Greg mm-hmm. on YouTube so great to see you okay so, Greg, we have got a home run guest with us today. You and I had connected with James Malley, I don't know, at some point last year. Um, yeah. I believe, and was, was yeah, was really intrigued with with his business model at Packerate. And uh I enjoyed, we got reconnected uh, as he chimed in on, on one of your recent um take your shot segments. There you go. Here uh, on yep. Supply Chain now via our uh, Tequila Sunrise programming, and I, you know, it's amazing sometimes how much you can really enjoy the comments that that are kind of interjected into the conversation, especially Greg when they when they have some sense of humor baked in. It's one of my f- favorite parts of these, right?
0: That's right, it is. And um, man, we're coming into that time of year where what James does for a living is even more important than usual. You know, we've, we talked about it, Scott, you probably remember this. We talked about it Ho- right after holiday season last year, our garages stuff full right? of okay. boxes that yep. have been underutilized in shipping. Right. So I can't wait for people to hear, hear more about well, this.
1: I'm going to do some digging because I think I still have one of your pictures that you sent me of the, uh, box, box getting going on <laughs> at the white household, uh, in the garage. So, um, oh, it, it is Tommy. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and by the way, to, to recap a couple things, outstanding, uh, items, Felicia calls Sacramento a home. I never knew that Greg Sacramento, California and Neural Dean is tuned in from Saudi uh, Riyadh to be, uh, exact. Ooh. So great to have you here today. Um, Okay. So with no further ado, I want to bring in our guest, uh, Greg, we've been talking about. He's no stranger to supply chain and logistics. He's been in the space since 2009. So don't be sleeping on James Malley. He's done some big things when it comes to especially um, innovative technology, where he's changing the game. So I want to welcome in James Malley, CEO of Pacurit. Hey, hey, James, how are we doing this afternoon?
2: We're doing good. I'm excited
1: to be here. I'm a big fan. Well, James, I got to ratchet up the pressure right All off right. the get-go here. We have Rachel Malley oh tuned in from Massachusetts. First-time listener. Long-time James Malley simply. I,
2: I recognize that person. <laughs> <laughs> it's my so, That's my awesome. so.
1: <laughs> That is awesome. Rachel, welcome. Uh, and thanks so much for bringing a little extra dose of, <laughs> of humor this Monday Monday afternoon. Okay. So, James,
0: pressure, but I'm assuming, yeah, you're not going to get a lot of slack on it <laughs> after you're, you know, for the review on this thing. Yeah, the pressure's
2: right? on. Uh, yeah. I have a very supportive family, but they're going <laughs> to give me the, the critique afterwards.
1: <laughs> well, um, James is embarrassing the family <laughs>
2: again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, great to have you. Great to have Rachel and whoever else uh, you might bring uh, to our conversation here today. And hello, Dave, and just tuned in. Be at LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Um, James, we're going to start with the heavy-hitting topics today, right? The heavy-hitting topics. We're going to be talking pepperoni pizza because today is National Pepperoni Pizza Day. How about that? So with that said, I want to ask both of y'all, and I want to ask y'all in the the community, the comments, the, uh, the skyboxes, as it were, where is the best place you've ever had pizza, right? And if there's a story behind it, tell us that too. But, uh, so folks in the comments, let us know. I know we got a bunch of pizza lovers, but James, I'll start with you. Where is the place to get good pizza? Uh,
2: well, first of all, I just want to say, Scott, I think it's great that you and Greg observe, uh, national pepper the pizza day. <laughs> it's very important. Um, there's a, there's a place called Lucali, uh, not too far from me in Brooklyn, that has a line around the block uh, way before it opens uh, that's kind of a classic uh, locals joint. Uh, okay. So that would have to be the go-to.
1: Is it thick or thin
2: or what? Uh, thin crust. I mean, don't yeah, don't don't get <laughs> yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah, nah, you're in New York, man. <laughs> yeah. that's you can't even ask that question. Nah. Especially not in Brooklyn.
1: Yeah. Ooh, that's part of heresy uh, there. Right. And what was the name of the place again, James? Lou Okay, Lou Okay. Greg, what about you? Well,
0: the best place I've ever had it is the home of pizza in Napoli, but the best pepperoni pizza I've had, believe it or not, is in Atlanta, Georgia. I lived in New York um, at a place called Antico, which Mm. imports all their ingredients every day in legitimate Napolitan, whatever you call it, ovens, and it is a fantastic pizza.
1: And what's the name of that? Was it the Red Devil that we ordered that with the, yes. the, the spicy yeah, stuff?
0: It, yeah, yeah, something oh. like that. It's I, I don't even remember the name, but it has pepperoni, big ones, right? And then yep. it also has hot peppers on Yeah, well, La Diavola, I think is what they call
1: it. I think that's the proper yeah. name of that pizza. Well, uh, clearly we're a bunch of pizza uh, lovers here. I'll just add, uh, according to. Um, uh, national com cheese pizza, 82% of, of Americans uh, prefer cheese pizza, the most 66% pepperoni. And then it kind of goes down from there. And here's what a minute That's more than a hundred percent. Well, I think, I think there's multi-choice and pick your favorite and cheese. Uh, pizza, okay, pizza, okay. Okay. The, choice the voting. Yes. Uh, and and you, you know, better than ask me any math questions, Greg, um, it, that's for, uh, above my pay grade here. One other interesting little factoid from the research here, hard hitting research. 3% of the respondents claimed that they'd rather eat a pizza than have a significant other. <laughs> now when I shared that in pre-show, my dear wife said <laughs> we all laughed and she goes, "Some days." I think she was very serious when she shared that uh Greg <laughs> and James. But you must uh, have
0: a really good pizza joint <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: Oh, love it! Okay, At least I hope it's
0: that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we knew we could have a bunch of fun with National Pepperoni Pizza Day, but we must. Okay, we got we got a couple of. Uh, uh, so Peter says, "Deluxe all the way, dressed with bacon and onions." Oh man, <sighs> that sounds great. He's we not going to have
0: significant other after
1: <laughs> right? Amanda says, "Love Antico. My homemade dough is rising as we speak. She she's she's got a great recipe here." And we're going to be celebrating National Pepperoni Pizza Day tonight at dinner. He- he- Late-breaking nice. news. How about that? Okay. Let's uh, move uh, we're very reluctantly. Let's move from pizza and let's talk about some of the greatest, uh, the biggest uh, news of the day in supply chain with James Malley. You're all, y'all ready to do it? I am ready to do it. Good to go. All right. So uh, this first story here we're talking um, Kerry Masters, I think that's her first name, Kiri Masters, wrote all about the upcoming Shipageddon. Yes, Shipageddon once again in an article for Forbes, not to be confused, Greg, with uh, Snowmageddon that Atlanta, uh, what, about eight years ago, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it froze everything for like two days, maybe three days, as I recall. But this is Shipageddon, and we should be um, a bit familiar because... Uh, this is the second Shippageddon, and according to this piece, by the way, folks, the term Shippageddon was coined in 2020 by a podcast called The Jason and Scott Show. Had no idea. But, James, mm. where, where we yeah, want to <laughs> bring you in, and Greg, I'm going to get your takes here, too, is uh, you know some of the factors that are impacting Shippageddon in 2021. You know, freight constraints, last mile delivery constraints, Amazon warehouse capacity const- constraints, and more, Lions, Tigers, and Bears, and of course, how some company, companies are responding to these challenges. So, James, what say you?
2: Yeah, so I saw this article. It's a pretty fantastic overview of uh, some of the problems we're facing as we go into the holiday season. Um, I think, well, first of all, I think anytime you add, again, you to the end of anything, <laughs> it's probably a red flag, uh, particularly if the experts uh, and the analysts don't uh, pipe in and and say it's being alarmist. Um, so the the article goes through, you know, kind of the, the uh, container ship side of, of things and then down through warehouse capacity and last mile. Right. Um, the good news is on the container ship side, uh, there's a little bit of a day use ex- Making uh available. Uh the the Biden administration has kind of been pulling the levers um, that are available to them through the DOT uh, Department of Transportation. Right. Um, so in the um, LA I saw they have the you know the port running twenty four seven and they're putting um you know fees and fines in place to try to keep things moving. Um so at least there's something a little bit at least we can do there to keep that uh, that line of container ships moving. Yep um on the other side of supply chain the last mile side i'm afraid uh, there there's nobody that can sort of reach down and help us um we 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 have a big problem there especially with the holidays um and it's really you know uh, a confluence of factors that have been building for it's like a perfect storm right exactly um it's not just a lack of trucks it's not i know you guys in the past have seen you talk about um the trucker shortage um it's not just personnel it's you know equipment warehouses land i mean the carriers are struggling to find land Mm. uh, which seems like kind of an old-timey problem but um you know it's the land where they need those warehouses in order to keep the the packages moving
1: so greg uh what here stood out to you in this great piece by Kirie Masters?
2: Uh,
0: to me, the, the newest and most um, frustrating part of it is the ship of Shipageddon. It's around the containers and ocean cargo generally. But let's face this. Amazon and, it, and its fulfillment organization wouldn't exist if Shipageddon hadn't happened in 2013 and 14 back-to-back mm-hmm. when all of the major small parcel predominantly small parcel carriers so failed them so miserably and they felt like to to have their own fate in their own hands they had to form their own logistics organization right they knew they couldn't count on the post office fedex ups so th- this is really just a continuation a growing wave of of issues for companies that have run behind the tide of commerce right. for nigh on a decade now. That's what's really, really frustrating is this really all started seven years ago, mm. if you think about it that way. And not only are, they, are the carriers not caught up, they don't appear to be trying to catch up. Instead, they, they appear to be trying to be opportunistic, maybe even um, privateering that's what you want to call it, <laughs> um, and, and the rates just continue to jack up. which yes. we're going to talk about later, right? Instead of uh, my, the question I asked last year when we had this grand failure was, can the big parcel carriers even do it? And now I'm asking, do they want to do it? Because right. we had this, we have had the same discussion, virtually the same discussion, two years plus in a row, and. Um, I don't see much movement on anything but fees.
1: Yes. So, uh, speaking of fees, uh, speaking specifically of containers, one of the things that this article points to is, is information by Mike Beckham. Uh, August 21, 2021, the, the uh, cost per container, almost $20,000. But the days of transit has more than doubled since Q3 2019. So, not only is it is it costlier, but... We're waiting a lot, lot longer. And of course, there's a shortage, the shortage of is worse, but at least you're paying more. Right, right. I want to share a couple of comments here. Bob points out 70 cargo ships now waiting uh in the port uh, of LA, which is a record. Uh Kyle points out, hey, it's been time to gear up inventory in preparation for the holidays. Uh Greg, yeah. Greg, you've had some messages, messaging around that, uh, for sure. Uh let's see here. Uh, there's lots of comments here. I'll, sh- I'll see if I can share a minute. James, you are um, a lot of folks think you're either a friend's husband or cousin or TV personality. You must have a face that really reminds people of a lot of folks in, in
2: their in their in their network. Get, James. Yeah. Really? Wow. Uh, I used to get uh, Mark Ruffalo's occasionally. Yeah, um,
0: I can see that. Totally see that. Love but. it. Yeah, I bet you're a better actor though. I've seen Mark Ruffalo. Oh, well, you
1: don't turn green when you lose your temper, do you, James? Don't, um oh, I forgot
0: he was in that. <laughs> all right. So that was his best role because he disappears for like seventy percent of the movie <laughs> wow. and somebody else does his role for a lot of hate
2: for Mark Ruffalo on today's
0: stream. Wait, he was uh I thought Spotlight. Not as much as Kevin Costner, though. Right. James.
1: <laughs> spotlight was an exceptional movie uh that he was in uh from a couple years back. Um, okay. So um, anything else before we, we've we got some other uh, a related uh, piece from the sourcing journal that we're going to tackle in just a second. But anything else uh, from both of y'all on this piece in Forbes about Shipageddon?
2: Just to kind of expand on what Greg just said, um, yep. starting to hear stories about, you know, entire product lines becoming unprofitable. Um, the, you know, the unit economics just like suddenly stopped working when the container's costs. You know, three hundred percent more. So, Mm.
0: yeah, and and I think you know this goes to the point we were talking about around this time last year. Is is it even viable for the traditional carriers to support um, e-commerce? Right. I mean, maybe we need a whole new set of carriers. Maybe. I mean, it's even conceivable that, as James said, for some product lines, e-commerce isn't practical and will be forced back into the stores to purchase some of those goods because that pooling, right? The law of large numbers, that pooling at stores creates economies of scale that you lose as you try to distribute to every single address on the planet. So uh, there is probably coming a reckoning on economics around, um, you know, around some of these product lines. Mm. And we knew it was coming, James, didn't we? I mean, certain products would just become, Um, too expensive to continue to ship.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. so let's move from uh, this topic of Shipageddon to this piece from the Sourcing Journal from a few weeks back. So, uh, bad news. I I love how James threw some good news in there, but we got some more bad news uh, because (laughs) holiday shipping is going to be a lot more expensive. So, shipping your package up to Edna up in Idaho, uh, you better break open the wallet for that, pa- that that annual package. So James, talk to us about um, um, this article and and some of what stood out to you in light of these fees that are that are uh, evolving, and they're not going in two directions; they're going just one, it seems.
2: Yeah. First, can I just give a shout out to that stock photo, which may or may not oh. be chocolate <laughs> coins. I'm not sure. Uh, excellent. Um, <laughs> It
0: does look tasty, though. Gold doesn't
2: coins, it? <laughs> gold yeah. coins, uh, um, chocolate. Yeah, I, I think you know it's just sort of an extension of the conversation we just had about capacity. Um, you know, FedEx, UPS rates are going up. Um, USPS, actually, if, if you guys don't mind, I can read this quote yeah. from USPS. Uh, they said uh, that seasonal adjustment will bring bring prices for the postal services, commercial and retail customers. In line with competitive practices, mm. which is kind Ouch. of a frightening uh, thing yeah. to hear. If you're a retailer and you've taken the, you know, the age, uh, time-tested strategy of uh, relying on the post office to kind of uh, save on shipping costs, so that's a problem. Um, the only other thing I'd I'd call out is that capacity isn't the only, and I guess I think the argument could be made. It's not the biggest driver of these costs. I right. think it's actually, uh, the fact that traditionally, um, B2B shipping made up the bulk of profit for the big carriers. And now you've got e-commerce. You know, we've all heard the stat of it growing three years and three months through the pandemic. Um, that mix of B2C and B2B uh, shipments is shifting and quickly. Yep. Um, so I think even if we had all the capacity in the world, um, the prices would keep would would be going up, and I think that's bad news for retailers that are just sort of hoping this whole thing blows over uh because it's tied to larger forces, and they need to start really uh looking it in the face.
1: In my mm. Greg, your take i I'm, I'm
0: I feel the same empathy for all the rest of us who are consumers, because you know the retailers are really the advocate. For consumers, they have to be there on the front lines. They're the one who take the virtual bullet when someone gets peeved about what something costs, or how long it takes to deliver, or um, you know what shipment um, add-ons get added to an order. Um, I I really think it's it is becoming a kind of us against them thing. It's the retailers and consumers against virtually everyone else, some of whom are inept. Many manufacturers are incapable of producing or shipping any faster. Some carriers are likewise inept and others are opportunistic. And, um, you know, in the end, as I always tell our our community, vote with your wallet. But the truth is, (laughs) voting with your wallet, it's going to take a few more bills this season. (laughs) That's right. It just is. I mean, we've been... We've been pretending that this inflation isn't real. We've been been pretending that it's transitory. I think is what the administration has been calling it. You notice over the last three or four months, months that word has fallen out of their vernacular. So I think we can accept that this this inflation is real at least for now. And and you can see the disappointment. The market dropped five hundred points within moments of opening today. So the reality of Inflation setting in of this opportunistic or manipulated or twisted, otherwise inefficient market is really, really starting to hit home. And it's going to hit home right about the holidays. Mm. Do your shopping now, people, while you still can afford to.
1: Absolutely. i got to share this comment here. So I think this is Amani, I believe. How can we help best as brokers and carriers during the holiday season that's coming? Bob says... Invest in Advil and Rolay because <laughs> uh, this. If,
0: it, at least you can get
1: those. <laughs> it reminds me of the phrase um, "This too shall pass." It may pass like a kidney stone, but this too shall pass. Um, and hey, as long as we got smart folks like James Malley and the Packard team help us, helping us to navigate these crazy times, that's a good thing too. Um, well, so that
0: that may be one of our few hopes. Is creating efficiency from the supply, from the end of the supply chain where the consumers are back. Save yourself by doing things like, I mean, it hurts, but adhering to a scheduled shipping day or pooling orders or whatever you have to do. You know, we've kind of forgotten the core economics of supply chain when we used to pool orders, we used to wait a couple extra days, right? LTL is a great, less than truckload shipping is a great example of that, right? You take you take two half truckloads, you put them together in a depot and you make a full truckload, then you drive to the Reno Distribution Center.
2: I think it's a hard, a hard pitch to consumers, um, harder than, you know, recycle this can because I could see it. But uh, even though supply chain has yeah. been more in the news, it's hard to like convey uh, the sort of sustainability problems with what we're doing
0: right now. You know what's been interesting? It's funny you say that, because you're right. It is precise. It is very difficult to convey. What's interesting for me, and I'm going to confess this, and then I'm going <laughs> I'm I'm to take the bullet, probably going to give the bullet to myself. Uh, when I order something on Amazon that I rep- order repeatedly, yes, I did say order on Amazon. Um, what I like to see is what I paid for it last time. And what I hate to see is how much I'm paying for it this time for the convenience, the convenient method by which it was delivered last time. And it's starting to shape how I change, how I order things, how I do pool orders. Wednesday is my Amazon day. So if you ever want to come steal stuff off my front porch, (laughs) Wednesday is the day to do it. Um, so, um, um, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately follow the money, right? If Woodward and Bernstein ever said anything intelligent, or I guess it wasn't them, it was their source, <laughs> follow the money. Because ultimately, if nothing else causes us to change our behaviors as consumers, mm-hmm. cost will.
1: Mm. So. Excellent point. I thought you were going to reference the old 80s commercial where the dude's walking up the stairs, and he goes, we earn money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. I don't know if you remember that. that uh, yeah, trick. Uh, e. F. Hutton. But the truth is, E.F. Hutton really
0: did earn money the old-fashioned way. He inherited it.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, James, we're going a little bit off the beaten path of today. I, I do want to share. Uh, Peter says, uh, lead the way with scheduled consolidated shipping services. T-Squared says, looks like forward buying. Is going to be the trend Uh, but any other comments here around our um our article including the the chocolate the delicious chocolate coins uh from sourcing journal
2: I i got nothing except to say you know if you're a retailer you know the kind of prevailing wisdom is to seek uh alternative carriers um as soon as possible if you haven't already um, when and there are plenty of them there are right. tons. It's, it's an excellent point. It's a, I mean it's a finite resource uh, in many ways because we've already seen some regional carriers having to uh, stop taking new customers, which is also a little bit frightening. Um, but it's certainly yeah. still the preferred method.
1: That's an excellent point yeah, That is an excellent
0: point. Preparation is really the key in this market because it's not it's not going to get better. It may shift. the badness may shift but it's not going to get better for some time. um, Clearly.
1: Yes. And, and
0: and, and there are some retailers. I can't believe I'm going to say this Scott. Macy's prepared more than adequately for the holiday season. Best buy who you'd expect. Of course, tractor supply, of course, another company with a great supply chain and others that, that essentially added lead time counting on these issues. Right, Right. And that's, You know, again, I will say this is not necessarily a cost minimization discipline supply chain. It is a risk balancing discipline. And you don't have any cost if you can't buy anything. Sorry, again, about my car warranty again. Um, You don't have any risk if you can't buy anything. Right. But you also don't have any sales.
1: So, um you shared a lot there, uh, and and Edna. By the way, That wasn't. Yeah, apparently she lives in South Dakota, not out of Where's my socks? Where's my socks? Uh, okay, so James, I wish we had three or four hours with you here today. There's a ton of things we could we could dive into. I want I want to share a couple of comments here. Uh, we got people thinking. Uh, Peter says when E. F. Hutton speaks, people listen. And T squared says that was Smith Barney with that slogan. Uh-huh. And Smith. Barney. Yeah. Okay. Morgan Stanley, I guess, bought Smith Barney. That sounds right, T squared. That sounds right. Um, also inherited. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, James, we're going to uh, tackle, I think, uh, a much easier, uh, at least more interesting and fun topic. And that is this notion of uh, a, a really neat three way uh, tech uh, technology collaboration where Walmart, Ford, and Argo AI are getting together on autonomous delivery in three cities, and that would be Miami, Washington, D.C., and Austin. Now, autonomous delivery has been in the works, it feels like, forever, right, forever since we invented a forward pass in football. However, um, this, evidently, this this project here has got some juice. So what sticks out to you in this uh, great, you know, Supply Chain Dive is one of our favorites here. This was, um, uh, let's see here, who wrote this this time? Max Garland. Uh, with supply chain nav. What were some of your favorite parts of this uh this news here?
2: Well, in general, as a uh, Brooklynite, um I'm excited to see any future wherein there's no big uh you know carrier trucks double parked on my street. Uh so yeah. on, a, on a visceral level, uh that's why I'm excited about it. But um in terms of you know last mile delivery, I think it's just very exciting. Um and there's a ton of opportunities for big retailers, uh, to work with startups. And on the other end, if you're a, a budding entrepreneur or engineer listening, um, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for you to start, um, AI driven or machine learning driven, uh, applications in the supply chain space. This is a very visible one. Cause you know, you may have to go down to the end of your block and open the door and take the stuff out and send it on its way. Uh, but there's, you know, uh, Things in, in the 3PL space, like Stored is a pretty famous example of, uh, you know, innovation.
0: Just anointed uh, unicorn status, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Um, so, uh, and there's a ton of, as evidenced by them, there's a ton of venture capital floating into uh, supply chain tech right now. So yeah. these are the kinds of things, maybe less flashy things uh, you, you, you could look at in the space because, um, unfortunately, as as much of a, a fan as I am of supply chain, um, you know, the industry, it is an incredibly wasteful um, mm. thing, uh, unfortunately, even though it's full of uh, people that spend their whole lives trying to make it more efficient. Um, so, so there's a ton of opportunity for creating value and making it more sustainable if there's any, anybody out there looking for a project.
1: Love that. And um, yeah, I love how you're kind of speaking to not only lots of opportunity, uh, but practical application of technology everybody and their brother has uh, has greg put put their uh the the acronym ai in a headlock and they're they're smacking they're slapping that label on everything uh out in the market but greg w- whether it's this or whether it's uh the opportunities that james is talking about or even a bigger picture what 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 uh what's between your ears right now
0: well this i love to see because Ford has made a big push into electric vehicles. They have the um, E Mach E, which I will re- forever refuse to call a Mustang, by the way. But um, but they have they they have some really quality electric vehicles. You combine electric vehicles with autonomous driving with um, this kind of efficiency for the retailers, like we were talking about before, James. This is this is our side. This is the consumer side. This is the retail side. This is what our side is up to in trying to create efficiencies and, and level the distribution playing field in terms of retail. So um, I love seeing this, you know, they're uh, autonomous is inevitable. There are going to be all sorts of types of autonomous, but I mean, let's, you know, we we talk about this all the time, Scott, this labor shortage RE drivers is not, it's not temporary. It, you know, they Autonomous will be over the road eventually. We don't know when exactly. I think we we love to sort of pretend like it could never happen, like we're John Henry, right? <laughs> no one could ever drive those drive those stakes faster than I could. Um, but um, th- there's so much to look forward to here, and particularly in cities like James is talking about, where you know we saw it right right during the holidays of last year, just trucks and boxes lined up on the streets as if in New York, you don't have enough stuff on the curb as it is, right? There's an opportunity here to have it be a little bit more focused and targeted and to enable the everyday retailer, right? If Walmart can do it, then the everyday retailer can rely on these kind of deliveries. And it's already starting to happen. There are already small companies leveraging these delivery services so that you can get main street or in, in the UK high street <laughs> delivery, right? Store delivery. It doesn't have to be from Macy's or Walmart or, or Tesco or Harrods or, or wherever. So, um, there's, you know, there's great reason for, um, I don't know, enthusiasm. Mm,
1: high yeah, street, on. huh? High Street—that's a—that's a, a English thing. How about that? Um, yeah, I love it. Learn... And
0: it's—it is
1: often a high street in the city. <laughs> All right. So James, um, so, so I like how we kind of wrap it on some good news here, right? Uh, with this this uh, collaboration project between uh, Ford, uh, Argo AI, and Walmart. But let, let's change gears as our your appearance here with us is is uh, coming around the the final turn here speaking of good news, Packert has been on the move. Now, James, uh, Greg, we, we've come to know James a little better here, and he's a pretty humble individual. Uh, but, on the Packard website, something got my attention. Uh, my kids, my kids aren't into model trains, but I think it's fascinating. I've had business partners have like garages full of, of like a, 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 a city that New York City would be jealous of. Uh, just kind of different scale. But, here it says, Rick, is it Jimrith, James? Yeah. So he's the CIO of Lionel, uh, which is the train in that whole industry. He says, quote, the cost to value ratio is off the charts. I've never seen anything like it, end quote. And he's talking about Packerit. So two questions for you, James. First off, refresh our memory and our, and our community member uh, a memory of of what you do. And then what's the latest? What's going on with the, the Packerit team?
2: sure sure uh yeah so pack your it um it provides uh, cartonization ai sorry to use a term that greg may uh, object to but uh <laughs> cartonization ai for uh shippers so they in, in real time in the warehouse they send our uh servers a message we send one back that has a picture of how they should pack things most efficiently um and uh yeah rick uh at lionel they were one of our first customers uh, way back and um they're amazing they're they're a 100-year-old company uh and they are kind of all about adopting uh new technology to sort of you know bolster their uh supply chain so really really cool uh company to work with
1: So clearly big fans of what you do uh at Packer. so so Greg based on what Jane just shared and what and and as we have a better Uh, Gotten to know the Packard business model. What what do folks what should they understand about the opportunity here with Packard?
0: Well, I think to me it's it's what we were talking about. It's that opportunity to ship more efficiently. Um, And first of all, let me just address the Lionel thing. Thank you, James, because you know it's hard. All the train car boxes are a little bit different size, and then you got the little trees and the people in the box. I'm not saying I've got a train set, (laughs) but. I do. And it's a line out from like 1930.
1: Really? Or something. Man. So, yeah. I had no idea, well, Greg.
0: Yeah. One year when we were too broke to buy Christmas presents, my my dad's boss gave us a train set that his kids were not using. Wow. So it's pretty awesome. I'll break out for you one day. Um, but you know, th- there, it is, that is a very complex thing. And what, what you can do with what you're doing. And I'm curious. So, I'm just kind of going here, James, but tell me oh. if this is what you're doing. You can minimize packing material. You can probably maximize safety, right? Just like when when, when you're packing groceries, you put the heavy stuff on the bottom and the light stuff on the top, all of those sorts of things. Um, what I mean, when the ROI or whatever you wanna call it that Lionel's so excited about, tell me about what their world was like before. Mm. And and now that you guys are doing it, what what really changed for them? If you think about it from a physical perspective standpoint,
2: I'm sure, curious. sure, yeah. So, um, Lionel's kind of like um, they're they're like a whole category of retailers where their holiday season is just bonkers. I'll uh, put it that way. <laughs> right. um, so they uh, they had a bunch of seasonal workers that were you know have to come in every year. And a lot of them don't have like the tribal knowledge and the training, um, and you know they're having a hard time. And so you know Rick uh, was really the guy that brought us in uh, into the organization was saying like we can actually help uh, some of the some of the guys that are coming in to help us every year by just giving them some clear instructions. So we don't need to hammer in these kind of like rules of thumb or you should have done it this way. Just right. make it make it easier. They're already under enough pressure um, just getting packages out the door. Um, but you mentioned, uh, damage, um, that's certainly also a piece of it. Um, I think this is, uh, I'm kind of a nerd for, uh, tweaking something, you know, seemingly small and then seeing how it ripples through the supply chain, uh, damage reduction is crazy. Uh, if you can measure it end to end, um, it is so wasteful to improperly pack stuff not only right. have it be broken when it gets there, but then it's going to come back through the system, taking out more bandwidth. Um, so, so that's a, that's sort of a, a point of, of, uh, of benefit as well.
0: So I got to tell you, we just got back from the beach and I am pretty good. At, it's kind of reverse Jenga. I'm pretty good at packing the vehicle going, Oh, that's going to fit there perfectly. So I love what you guys are doing here. And um, and i also love the it, the impact that it has right of course it you know there's there's the circular economy impact which of course impacts carbon and all of, all of the other things but the the point that you made of getting the goods there getting them there efficiently with as, as minimal materials as possible and as safely as possible that's a good thing on every single level the people get what they want and especially this season when they're probably going to get it just barely in time they can't afford to have the stuff broken and be sent back and of course anything you buy from lionel is it's very valuable top, top shelf right. yeah yes it is very very valuable product and sometimes it's also very rare so it can be difficult to replace um for sure but I, I i love the sort of solving the rubik's cube for people Right, I mean, it's a se- essentially what you give the packer is directions that say this box goes in this corner right. on the lower side of the box, and that one goes next to it and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, we, we also factor in sort of external costs that you might not you know, normally think about if you're a, a picker or a packer. So um, negotiated rate tables affect when it makes sense to consolidate a package or break it into multiple boxes. Oh, um, yeah. So of
0: course, we because if it's bigger and heavier, it might hit a... <laughs> It might, it might hit a it, um, threshold for, um, I'm sorry,
2: whatever, extra fee, right? Yeah, I, well, it, it gets really weird sometimes where, you know, Packer will choose to incur that fee if it just so happens that the alternate box configuration is slightly more expensive or, you know, whatever. So there's, there's a lot of, this is like an example, our example of, trying to extract from a single point in the supply chain uh, a ton of value that then kind of ripples onwards. And I think the biggest um, revelation this year was that when you're you're doing efficient right-sizing at the package level, if you're a big retailer, you're actually reducing the number of trailers that you're loading. Um, So that couldn't be a more important time (laughs) to try to reduce your, uh, your trailer usage.
1: Massive ripple effect, and, and, and these small uh, advancements can add up in a hurry. And and also, like what Greg pointed out, which is kind of the, the customer experience side of of some sort of the things you are doing at Packard. Um, you know, especially as as y'all talked about in this season, we getting a replacement isn't nearly as easy as uh, some years gone past. So, um, but. But I, we would be remiss, James, and I hate, to, I hate to start to bring the conversation down. There's so much more we want to talk about. There's some comments that I'm going to share here in a minute. But how can folks connect with you and the Pack Your Team, James?
2: Well, uh, you can often find me in the chat of Supply Chain Now. Uh, That's right. That's right. <laughs> Making uh, snarky comments at Craig and Scott. <laughs> uh, but my uh, my LinkedIn's open, so... Please uh, send me a message. Um, even if you just want to talk about uh, cartonization math or, you know, material sustainability, whatever it is, I'm, I'm, we're game.
0: Love it. Take. So Before Frank. we cut loose, can we just? I'm just want I'm sorry. This is, you really got me now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'm curious you must have ingest a ton of data because you're taking into account all these surcharges and upcharges and all that stuff that we just talked about. Yeah. Right. So y- you have all those tables and the retailers, let's say, or whoever is shipping, you have their um, agreement with the carriers so that you know, if we pack it this way, it costs X. If we pack it that way, it costs X plus two or whatever. Yep. So that's an incredible amount of data. And, Scott, we've talked with John Haber at, about how complex it is for retailers to navigate that and how often and this is another last year conversation, how often they don't find out what they're actually gonna pay right. until the shipment's been made because surprise, surprise. laid through all of the right all the surcharges to figure out how they should have packed it. So that, that could help and you know, based on the conversation we were talking about with John. I could help them avoid a hundred or hundreds of dollars worth of extra freight right? by packing it right by knowing that in advance. But say you.
2: whether you're working with a Packer or trying to figure out these things on your own, you can make some dramatic, uh, or some small choices can have dramatic impact for sure. Right. So mm-hmm. um, now we're, exactly. we're headed into the holiday season. So it's going to be everything's code locked. It's a good time to let. You know the the supply chain side do its thing. You can look at some of this technology and uh, you know start trying some stuff out. So,
1: code lock. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while, James. It's good to hear.
1: Lock and load. All right. So, uh, James, really appreciate your time here today. Yeah. It's great to reconnect with you. Keep the comments. You, you call them snarky. I don't think they're snarky. I think they're uh, they're all, they're savvy, Pretty. but they're also humorous. <laughs> Did you say savvy uh, and-
2: or savvy.
1: No savvy, savvy. <laughs> Two peas. <laughs> <keys. laughs> oh mm-hmm. goodness, James. Um. So, and, and you know, there's a time. Uh, it's so important. Like we we referenced perhaps on the front end. Maintaining that sense of humor while having really smart conversations, like uh, like what you've led us through here today. Uh, there's no no better time, especially in in investing and investigating new relationships, so that uh, you, you find new ways outside the four walls of of making your your supply chains better, stronger, and more resilient for sure. So James uh, Packurate.io, and that's P A C C U R A T E.io, is is where. Folks can also go. I think we've got that link in the comments. Big thanks to James Malley here today. Thanks so much for joining us, James. Thank
2: you. Have See a you, great rest of your week. All right, you too.
1: All right. James is, is. I tell you, he's like um, cool as the other side of the pillow, just, just smooth go. and steady. And I, I'd like to, uh, I bet we could put out lots of fires by having old James Malley on the team with us, huh? No doubt.
0: Well, uh, prevent them, it sounds like. Oh, me. even better. Yeah. I wanted to ask him before he jumped off where'd they come up with Packer and could it be a more apropos name than what they're doing? Right.
1: <laughs> well, so see, we'll see if he can drop that in the comments, perhaps. If it, yeah, right. His yeah. agent may have him already to his next interview, but we'll see if he responds. Uh, a couple of comments here. So, Michael Hill. Going back to that last story we, we tackled, that raises a great question. Who's looking into protection against weaponization of autonomous systems, AI, and drones? Excellent question, right?
0: Yeah, Michael, I'd tell you, but then I'd, well, you know.
1: <laughs> John, hey, appreciate your feedback. Who knew, he says, supply chain conversations could be this fun? Hey, we We like. We did. <laughs> That's right. Now you do too. We we try to keep them uh you know keep them frank and forthright, but also not taking ourselves yeah. too seriously, which is good for industry. So, John, appreciate your feedback here today. Um, let's see here. Now, now Mohib, Mohib has a great observation. If you got if y'all go back, I don't know if I can go back to my um, yeah, here we go. So if you notice there are seats in that car, and Mohib says, Hey, Ford. Uh, Why do those autonomous food delivery vehicles need passenger seats? We're already converting passenger planes to cargo planes. Ford, you can make them even more economic and sustainable, I hope. How about that?
0: And they will. I mean, um, I think it is Amsterdam where they have autonomous, not exactly taxis. They're they're kind of run on a route, but they're a van where you kind of sit around. Yeah, they will eventually do that. James. You know, the, the difficulty with the U.S. has been adoption of these kind of technologies. We love our driving right. here in the U.S., right? No one's going to so. take our
1: four Broncos from us. Uh, so James, <laughs> on the tarmac, in the Learjet, had a minute to respond. He says, "Packard, the name is a greater achievement than the technology itself. I got You know, that's not a lie
0: and in 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 some case that some cases that is much much more difficult than building the technical the, the technology is representing it appropriately so people right. get it and it's easy to get packit we know what they do by their name that's really really rolls serious. right off the
1: tongue we love you y'all check it out at packit.io yes. now speaking of a plane and tarmacs and uh, miami Greg, you and I, and some members of our team are going to be down in Miami starting on Sunday as Connections yeah. 2021 gets cranking. And Greg, I'll give you uh, the tagline here. What what, what have you been ru- uh, running with? Uh, Miami. Yeah. Oh, come that's on, now. come on. That, you, you, <laughs> <enough> <laughs> I, what have I been doing? Sorry. network, grow. Miami. You
0: know, sorry. It was a really right. good weekend. Scott. That's right. So, um, we yeah. had
1: missed our opportunity as part of that event, and, and again, it's Omnia Partners Connections 2021 to tie in a Golden yeah. Girls promo theme with over the last couple months. We completely missed that opportunity, Greg. How could you let us miss that? Why Golden Girls? Why Golden Girls? That uh, Miami was the setting of the all their hijinks. Oh, oh, yeah. that's right. That's
0: right. They were retired. They were all retired. Okay, got it. <laughs> All
1: right. Yeah. Well, folks.
0: Hope <laughs> you you see a different side of Miami than I
1: do. Rose. Uh Rose. Uh, I am thinking the cast members for the Golden Girls, Greg. Yeah. Um, so folks, hopefully you all have enjoyed this conversation. We've had this lighthearted lighthearted but frank conversation we've had with James Malley with Packerate. Uh I feel like I am smarter after spending the last hour with uh James for sure. Greg, I'll give you the last thought and then we're gonna sign off here today.
0: I can just visualize what's going on there with the boxes that, that Packer is imagining. I'm, I bet a lot of people are envisioning kind of a minority report type thing, right? It's this box yep. goes here and then that and there. And and that. while that's a really cool part of it, I think as important is navigating all of this complexity that we just talked about at the beginning of this show and that we talked about this time last year to help companies really take control, right? Take control of their sustainability initiatives, obviously their freight costs, their ability to deliver effectively to the consumer and be on our side. I just really thought about that, that retailers are really on our, on the right. consumer side, I mean, if you think about it. and And do that in a way that is efficient and sustainable because I am a firm believer that we have to create not just environmental sustainability of e-commerce but also economic sustainability of e-commerce and i'm convinced it can be done i'm 100% convinced to the point james made which i i would echo it may not be able to be done by the carriers that exist today or at least not solely by them but but like other companies like stored and bring and others who are handling last mile and edge distribution and various and sundry other techniques, I believe that we can make this efficient to allow people to buy where they want.
1: Agreed. So folks, thanks for tuning in here today on the latest episode of Supply Chain Buzz. Every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, we we tackle some of the leading issues and news stories across really global business. And every so often, we've got the movers and shakers across the industry like James joining us uh, to give us a rundown. So with that said, hey, it's, it's kind of like the planes, trains, automobiles, and packing episode of The Buzz. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> What's that, Greg? I said you're uh, right. Bit, you know? um, but hey, folks, make sure you connect with James. Make sure you connect with uh, Nurfad. Uh, he, he just mentioned how folks are already reaching out, which right. is wonderful. Uh, but most importantly... Whatever you do, whatever you do, if you heard one message here today, make sure you do good, you give forward, and you be the change. Be the change. Industry needs plenty of it. And with that said, we we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our
0: Supply Chain Now community.